Hello, and welcome to the Sisters in the Spirit podcast. My prayer is that this podcast would be a ray of hope for your week. My name is Sarah St. Clair, and I'm delighted that you have joined me here. We are going to connect around the life-giving truths we find in God's Word and have honest conversation about the challenges we face day to day. I want to encourage you from my own life experiences and also chat with women like yourself who have walked through seasons of suffering and yet remained strong in their faith. Sister, you are not alone. You are precious to the Heavenly Father. Let's grow together as we seek to know Christ and worship Him in every area of our life. Well, hello, and welcome to Sisters in the Spirit. This is our first interview episode for Season 3, and um, we had a lot to talk about, so I'm not going to take very long um, chatting before we get into it, but Welcome to October, and as you can probably hear, I'm suffering from fall allergies that have decided to settle in my uh, upper respiratory, so that's made it a bit interesting with all my dance teaching and corralling the children at home and getting them to do what they need to do. So um, hopefully it will work its way out and I'll be all back 100% soon. I'm so thankful to be able to share this testimony with you from my friend Jen. Um, I just have been praying and wanting to have an interview with someone willing to share their story about miscarriage um, because I know it's something that many of my friends have suffered and um, I want you to know that you're not alone in that suffering and that each one of those little babies um, is special and treasured and valued um, not just by you and your mom mama heart and your empty arms and the ache that you carry always um, from the loss of that baby. Um, But that baby is also treasured and special to friends and family who knew about that baby and um, had also um, looked forward to meeting them And um, we just want to come around you today and give you a big hug and um, offer our love and support, whether it's been um, recent miscarriage or um, way back in the past. Um, As you'll hear in the interview, we know that that pain um, and grief is something that doesn't go away. It gets easier to carry with time, but it doesn't go away. And we can put ourselves right back in those moments. And um, so I pray that this episode would um, just be be a beacon of hope to you um, and know that we also join in praying with those of you who still have empty arms and um, who are still longing either for that first baby or for more children. And um, there is no shame or guilt in um, wanting another child if you already have one, but continue to uh, struggle with uh, fertility and miscarriage, um, you're not 
not thankful for that one baby just because you want more. I think that that would be um, a mental game that we could play in our head and just being like, am I ungrateful for the children or child that I have by um, trying so hard for another? Um, But we join you in believing for a miracle. And um, today, I think we'll just encourage your faith and um, be a comfort to your heart. So without further ado, let's jump in and meet Jen and hear her story. All right. Well, today I have a a special friend, Jen Strickland. Do you go by Jen or Jennifer? Either I always like think. When I text you, I'm like, do I say, hey, Jen, or hey, Jennifer? Whichever one you want. And I never have asked before. Well, you know, my family and friends call me Jen. And obviously, our pastors, that's how they know me. Yes. And so I was introduced that way to the church. And so a lot of people now, because I'll say, I'm Jennifer. And people will say, do you go by Jennifer or Jen? I mean, honestly, it it doesn't matter to me. And for years, I went by Sarah Dawn. Did you really? And all of my friends um, who have known me since high school know me as Sarah Dawn. So that's how I'll have to get your attention if I'm yes. like, just scream across the And then church. when we moved to South Carolina and I didn't have friends in my circle yeah. that had the name of Sarah, I dropped the, okay. the Dawn and just went back to Sarah St. Clair. I so, never knew that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. I love it. So, um, well, Jen, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family and, um, Yeah. Well, I am, um, I won't say how old I am. I'm still, I feel very young. Um, my husband is David. He is on staff as one of the pastors at our church. That's how we know each other. And um, we've been here for about a year and a half here in South yep. Carolina. And we have two children. Alex is 18 and Anna is 12. And um, I'm currently teaching fourth grade. It's the first time in a long, long time that I haven't been deeply involved in church ministry Yes. Um, and teaching school. So okay. it's been kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, I think there, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. Obviously yes. a lot of things went on the last year and a half, mm-hmm. but, um, but we love being in South Carolina. We, we've been in the ministry our entire married life, um, 24 and a half years. Wow. Coming up on the 25th year next yes. year. So we're going to have to have a big celebration. Yes. But, um, so we've been married a long time, um, and just love the church love what it's done for our lives, love, you know, love the Lord, obviously, yes. and serving in ministry. And so, so now I just dabble in it a little bit. I just help yes, here and there. And, right. You know, I do some, you see me doing transitions on the stage sometimes and, but I've been involved in it all, like everything from nursery ministry to worship to, you know, yeah. all the things. So, um, but it's been nice to just sort of be yeah in this season right and we have just loved having you guys come on staff and has definitely been um an added blessing um to the church but also on a personal level we're thankful to have friends that have um similar heartbeat as ours and um yeah, we always say, like, it's been hard for us to find friends our age. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so we're not your age. We're just like, well, <laughs> we're just, we just collect friends of all ages. That's so. right. Hey, it enriches your life. I believe yes. that. It definitely yes. does. I love for it. For sure. All right. So um, in getting to know you over the past year, um, year and a half, and um, hearing you share even at church um, testimony time, um you have a story to tell and um, I'm really privileged and honored that you'd be willing to share it here on the Sisters in the Spirit podcast and um, just know that it will be a blessing to a lot of the women who listen. I believe that. Um, So why don't you take us back to the beginning of um, when you were, you know, beginning your family Mm -hmm. and had all those hopes and dreams and kind of where God found you and then just how it played out. Yeah, for sure. So we um, got married out of college. Um, I'm a a little bit older than David. He likes to remind me of that. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So I graduated a year before him, went into work teaching. And um, and a year later, he graduated. We were married that summer. 
um, knowing that, you know, we had dated for about four years all through college. So we, we knew what we wanted in life. We knew what our plan was, um, you know, getting married, start a family after a few years, take a few years to travel, um, and then start a family pretty quickly. I mean, we were still uh-huh. fairly young, but you know, 22, 23, we knew, you know, let's take a couple of years, travel, do all the things we want to do. Yeah. And, um, and then start our family. You know, you. I think a lot of times we subconsciously have this plan in our minds. Yes. Uh, and we don't consult the Lord first. Right. <laughs> right. We sort of make the plan and we're like, oh yeah, Lord, this is what we're going to do. You'll be on how board about with you? this. Yeah. How about hop on board with us? So, um, so that's what we did. I think, you know, it's easy to do that. I don't think it's wrong. I just think it's what we do mm-hmm. naturally. And so um, got into marriage, did that, you know, traveled, really took advantage of, of building a strong foundation in our marriage um, doing the hard work. I mean, we yeah. all know there's some hard work in those first few years, right? And so a few years in, we were ready to start trying. And, you know, month after month after month would go by and nothing. And um, it was tough. I mean, you start to think, okay, what's happening here? And for a little while, you're just like, okay, it's fine. It'll be a year later or two years right. later. No big deal. We're still young. Um, but finally, after a few years of um, really, really trying. I remember going to my doctor and for my annual checkup and, um, and saying to him, um, you know, I think something's just not quite right. Like this doesn't seem normal. My mom never had any trouble getting pregnant. Like you do those things, right? You think about all the things. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, what's going on here. And he was very dismissive. And I remember in that moment thinking, well, that didn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, he's a professional. I don't need to worry about it. Right. And so I um, just went on about our business. And a few months later, um, my grandmother had been very sick. And um, and when she passed away, I was actually with her. Our entire, entire mm. family was there with her. And um, I just remember we're all around the bed. We're singing. And I just remember being prompted by the Holy Spirit. Um, this sounds really silly, but I leaned down to her ear and I said, um, tell Jesus to go ahead and send our babies. Because we were just sort of in that, you know, Lord, you know, when are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? And I really had deep revelation in those months, too, about how, you know, the word says we're first born in heaven, in the heart of God. Yes. And then we're born into the earth. And so I believe our children were in heaven before they ever were in our arms. Mm -hmm. And so I really envisioned this, you know, my grandmother rocking our babies in heaven before they come to us. And so... Um, I don't know if that's theologically accurate. You know, David right. could probably speak more to that. <laughs> but it sure was a comfort to my heart, right? Yes. And so um, in those months, uh, she passed away in October. And in those months, um, somebody said, uh, you know, as a step of faith, it wouldn't be a bad idea for you guys to sow a seed or start the nursery or, you know, all these sorts of things. And so our pastors at the time really got on board with that. I mean, they were people mm. of great faith. So they literally hosted a shower for us wow. before we ever had a baby or had any right inclination that that was going to come. So we painted the walls and we had someone come in and put a mural on the wall. And um, at the shower, they gave us this beautiful rocking chair and mm. all these things, you know, that would exist in a baby nursery. And so in our little house, our tiny little house at the time, um, it was the second bedroom and we would walk by that room every single day, right? And every time we'd walk by it, we'd be reminded of, God's promise. We knew that he had promised us children. And so um, that December, actually on Christmas morning, I had been feeling not not great. And so on that Christmas morning, um, we did a pregnancy test and it was positive. Wow. So we're at David's parents' house, my in-laws, and and later that day we're going to be with my family. And so, um, you know, we're just, it's like 5.30 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock, you know, like yes. super early. And I remember us just going nuts and yeah. coming down, running down the stairs, waking up David's mom and dad. It was just a huge, you know, right celebration, cry fest, all the things, right? Yeah. Calling my parents and waking them up and knowing that we would see them later that day. Mm-hmm. And so um, we just really, you know, we're just over the moon yeah. excited, you know. And um, so we travel that day to uh, be with my family and that evening, I remember I, I started spotting. Wow. And so immediately, you know, your heart's just like, oh, this can't be happening. Right. Um, and so, you know, my mom, being the encourager that she is, was like, 
don't panic. You know, we're going to get back to our yeah. home in Georgia. I'm going to call my doctor, get you in to see them. You know, we're going to make sure all is well. It's not time to worry yet. I remember her saying mm -hmm. that. It's not time to worry. And so I did. I tried to really rest in the peace of God. Um, really hard, though. Yes. When you've waited. And then you have this, you know, this moment of like, oh, God did it. Right. And then you see it start to slip away. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, went to the doctor over the course of a couple of days. You know, they do the blood work. They check your levels. Yep. And they were declining. So wow. clearly I was having a miscarriage. Um, I was very, very early, though, um, in probably within the first eight weeks at that point. And so, um, you know, but again, doctors are kind of dismissive. Yes. When that happens, when you walk through that, I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, they see it a lot. Right. But you don't want people to be dismissive in that moment when no. you're, you know what I mean? When your dream yes. is literally slipping away. Yes. So um, really, really difficult days ahead of that. Um, and I don't know if it's because of first miscarriage. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just a different sort of. You don't want to embrace that reality. And people say things and they mean well. Yeah. But it's so deeply um, upsetting. Mm -hmm. I mean, even today, you know. I know. It's been almost 20 years. You can go right back. Yeah. You just get right back to that moment. And um, I just remember really struggling in those days. You know, people that I loved and that were close to me would say things like, well, at least you didn't carry it to full term. You right. know, yeah. like as if that, that made it so much yeah. better. And, um, mm. and wow. I, you know, a mother's heart is you dream for that baby. Yeah. You love it the before moment, you're even pregnant. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And so that was a real struggle, a real test of my faith. Yes. Like, okay, God, you said this, you promised this. Mm -hmm. It happened. And then why you did took you get away? Yeah. Why did you let this happen? And um, of course, over the course of all the things that happen, you start to see the the beautiful work of God in the right. middle of all of that. Um, but that was extremely difficult for me before we ever planned, you know, before we ever started um, trying to have a baby, though. David and I knew we would adopt. Okay. Like our plan, you know, the plan that I told you about <laughs> was, Lord, we'll have some biological children and then we'll adopt. It's definitely in our hearts to adopt. Yeah. And so... Um, that was December. I miscarried um, right at the, right after Christmas, and um, and that baby would have been due in August of the next year. Okay. Um, so I was very early on when I found out. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we just began to really lean into God, and and we really did come together in those moments. Um, I can absolutely see how it destroys marriages, though. I, I can definitely see that it can drive you, it can drive a wedge or it can drive you closer together. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, um, it just pushed us closer together. Mm. I mean, sometimes you look at that. David's very good at analyzing and going back and saying, yes. this is what, this is why that happened. I'm not so good with that. I'm just like, I don't know. It just worked <laughs> out. You know yes. what I mean? But I know that God was in it and that, um, we were vulnerable with each other. I think that's a key. Mm. For sure, to be vulnerable with each other, to just say out of your mouth, hey, I'm really struggling today. I know that this is different for you, um, but I'm really struggling, yeah. like whether it's with my faith or physically or this really stinks. Like yes. this feeling that you can't control when you're miscarrying a baby, mm -hmm. it's uncontrollable. You know, yeah. it's an uncontrollable feeling and you feel like there's something I should be able to do about this, yes. but you just can't. You just have to let the process work. Yeah. And so um, David in those days was very vulnerable as well. He would say, I know this is, I won't even try to compare what right. I'm experiencing to what you're experiencing, mm -hmm. but I want you to know my heart is broken like yours. Mm -hmm. That was deeply meaningful to me. Yes. Because I think as women, sometimes we think, um, oh, it's not as hard for them. Right. They're not physically carrying this baby. So they um, must not be as attached. Yeah. Or... But his dream is for a family too, right? And so I think we have to recognize that as wives, mm -hmm. that um, it is a process for them. And men process differently, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they're not in pain yep. or they're not brokenhearted. So I think it's important to remember that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what drives marriages apart probably, yep. is that we don't stop to recognize, hey, everybody is feeling this. Everybody is experiencing yeah. this. Our parents, right? Um, yep. People that were close to us that had believed with us, 
I remember our pastor saying, I just can't imagine of all the people. I mean, he said those words to us, like, yeah. of all the people, you have been faithful, you have served the Lord. Mm-hmm. I can't, I think it really threw him for a loop. Yeah. And um, so then you're processing those things too, right? Right. And so um, it was, it was, those were some difficult days, but God was so close. I mean, I think mm. in every loss we've experienced in life, God has been so close. Yes. Almost tangibly. Yes. And so I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but as we prayed over the next few months, I remember, um, David coming home one day, it was April. So it had been a few months mm-hmm. and he came home one day and he said, I think it's time for us to look into adoption. Hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, I was like, yes, I've got the things done. I've done the research. Like I know exactly what to do. I never imagined that he would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, before we had biological children, that just wasn't right. the plan. Yes. Right. And so we did. We started the process and met with an agency. You have to do a home study first. And they came out to the house to meet us. And um, and then we went out to dinner. You know, they inspect your house. Yes. Like you have to have a fire extinguisher in the kitchen. And you can't have those bouncy toys. And like, I mean, it's wow. It's outrageous. It yeah. Like if everybody had to go through that before bringing a baby home, then man, it would be a different world. But anyway, so that was eye opening. And um, so we went out to dinner with them afterwards, and they were um, telling us about this opportunity that had just opened up for them to do uh, adoptions out of Guatemala. Mm. So they had um, friends there um, that had a connection and an attorney there in Guatemala. And um, they had this, the way that they set it up was that the babies were in one-on-one foster care. And, um, and we talked about the differences in international adoption and domestic yeah. Here in the U.S., very different processes. So in the U.S., you know, there's a very long length of time um, that biological parents have the opportunity to take back their parental rights, um, which is not a bad thing. I right. mean, I think God's God's plan is for children to be in families, yes. right? Um, I think his redemptive plan is adoption. Yes. And so... Um, so we decided at that point, because we were so heartbroken yeah. with the loss of this first baby, that um, international adoption would be the route we would go. Mm-hmm. Because once the rights are signed over, it's there's nothing. It's done. It's done. There is a waiting time, but it's not nearly as long as the U.S. And Guatemalan adoptions at that time were um, fairly quick. I mean, you could have some adoptions took two months. You know, some took six. Ours took nine total. But um, but that's a short amount of time for an international adoption when you think yes. about globally right. um, what that looks like with other nations. And so um, we decided to go that route. So I'll never forget, we, you know, it's a huge process. You have to create this dossier and you have all these official documents and mm-hmm. notarizations and apostilles and all these things, words and things we didn't know, right? You learn a lot like, in that what process. What is this? Yeah. And so you're basically putting together a portfolio of your life, mm-hmm. bank accounts and background information and family history and medical um, information, all those things. And then the agency works with the attorney in Guatemala to match you with the baby. Okay. So um, we, did, we didn't choose a boy or girl. You know, we, had, we were like, Lord, whatever you, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do, that's what we're good with. So I'll never forget, I got the phone call. It was actually July 5th. Um, I got the phone call that a baby boy had been born. Mm. And um, and the conversation went something like, um, you know, this little baby boy has been born. We know you're not finished with your paperwork, but, you know, you guys are first on the wait list. Uh, I'll send you some pictures and then you can decide. And I was like, I don't need the pictures. Right. What do you mean? I don't need the pictures. Yes. <laughs> and so um, literally he was a few days old. They sent us the pictures and that's our Alex that we have today. You yes. know, instantly you fall in love. You see that little brown face with yes. those long eyelashes and um, dark black hair. And um, and so nine months, you know, nine months uh, almost to the day wow. we brought him home. And we actually went to visit him when he was eight weeks old. We lived in Florida at the time. So the trip to Guatemala was like a two-hour flight. Yeah. Super cheap. And so we were able to go back and forth, which was a blessing, a yeah. huge blessing. And so we did that a few times. The first time we went, he was um, eight weeks old. We needed um, about uh, 
I don't, I can't remember if it was 12000 or $18,000 before we could visit the first time. Like that was the down payment. Well, I was a teacher and David was a youth pastor. Right. So <laughs> there's not just $18,000. There's $18, not a lot of money in that. Laying around. That's right. And so I think our parents maybe had given us some money to invest. And so we had paid a little bit of it. Our pastor had encouraged us um, before we started the adoption to sow a tithe of what we needed. Because we were like, we know God's called us to this, but this is going to be like $35,000. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a yearly salary for a teacher at that time. Yes. And so, um, man, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? $35,000. I worked for $35,000 and I was like thinking it was great. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, man, times have changed. But um, we sowed a seed. We did. We took everything we had in savings. We sowed a tithe of what we needed. And, um, and then our parents helped with that first down payment. So it was $12,000 that we needed. So we were at a Monday night prayer. We had gotten a call from the bank because we were looking into loans and all the things we could do, right, mm-hmm. to help us. We got a call from the bank that they weren't going to finance it. So we were like, okay, Lord, then you must have another plan because we felt like this was the right thing to do. Right. So we go to prayer that evening. We used to have Monday night prayer. There's a handful of people there. I mean, like 50 maybe, you know. And um, our pastor gets up and he just says, I really feel like the Lord has a word for you guys tonight. Hmm. And so, you know, he kind of brought us down to the front so people could pray for us. And he said, I just feel like the Lord wants you to know that it's his bill, not yours. Oh, well, he didn't know that the bank had called that day. Right. And he didn't know all of that. Um, But he just goes on to keep saying what he hears the Lord saying to us. And essentially it's that you don't need to worry about this. You need to leave this at the feet of the Lord, you know, let him do what he's promised. And so as he's talking, like I see people out of my peripheral, just like coming next to us, you know, and I'm thinking they're coming to pray. Yeah. They're literally laying money down where we're standing. Wow. And, um, now I'm not kidding you. 50 people maybe were there by the end of the prayer. (coughs) Our, um, one of the executives went to count the money and when he came back, he said, there's 11750 some dollars. Wow. And um, I'm going to tell you, if you don't have faith that God is your provider in those types of things, help you know really quickly. Yes. God is your provider. That's amazing. So we were able to pay that. We went to visit Alex when he was eight weeks old. And that um, time that we were there was the due date for the baby we had lost. Wow. So you just, you know what wow. I mean? You just see God, his beautiful handiwork. Um, and sometimes it takes a while for you to get there, but you look back and you think, wow, Lord, you really, you really orchestrated this. Yes. And so he is in the details. He is in the details. So in those days that we were reminded, oh, this was our due date. Here we are holding a baby in wow. Guatemala, you know? Wow. And so I just remember thinking, Back to what I said before about our children are born in heaven. Mm-hmm. We're all born in heaven, I think, in the heart of God before we're here. I just believe that the Lord, Alex has been our baby all along. Yes. He's been our child. He's been part of our family from the very beginning of time. Yes. And God created him knowing that he would be dropped into our family, this beautiful Guatemalan boy mm-hmm. um, in the midst of a Southern white family. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? And, um, and we've watched, we've had the privilege of watching him grow, man. He is, he is, I mean, I, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. He's just, he loves the Lord. He's got such a tender heart yeah. and, and heart um, of service. He serves yeah, around church. Absolutely. And super and, encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Loves people, you know, loves to make friends, very outgoing, um, yeah, just we're super proud of him and can't wait to see what God does with his life. And people all through the years have said, you know, hey, what a blessing you guys were to Alex that you rescued him because his mother um, had the equivalent of a first grade education. Mm. You know, she made like $100 a month. Wow. Um, he probably would have, they probably would have ended up on the streets begging, Yeah, which you see a lot in Guatemala with the children. And um, in fact, at that time, adoption was a second leading industry. Like it was the second leading moneymaker in the nation. Wow. So there's a lot of uh-huh. dark, you know, black market things happening. Um, the U.S. Pull, has pulled out since then, actually. Um, I don't know that you can even adopt from Guatemala anymore. Um, but everybody has said, you know, throughout the years, people say, oh, what a blessing. You guys rescued him. And I just think, no, 
No, I think, you know, God did something for us by bringing Alex um, into our lives. And so it's been beautiful to watch that. And, um, you know, when you have a baby, when you have your first child, you're busy, right? You're really busy for a few years. And um, so he was an only child for about four, five years, um, almost five years. And um, at that point, we we were thinking again about building a family and we've never really stopped trying. Yeah. I mean, we just, you know what I mean? Right. We, without getting too detailed, we yes. never really stopped trying. We never did anything to prevent it. But in those four years, nothing. I mean, yeah, just nothing. And after about two, you know, we were thinking, okay, it's time to start again, really be right. intentional about yeah. this and really focusing. And so we did all the things, the tracking, the, you know, all the things and nothing was happening. And so, um, again, we go back to the doctor and at that point, nobody's really willing to run any tests because you've only had one miscarriage. You know, I say that very lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so insurance isn't going to pay it. The doctors don't really consider it. Um, and so I just remember sitting with the doctor and I changed doctors by that time for obvious reasons. Yes. I was like, I think I need a woman, number one. And I think I need somebody who's a little more sensitive to this issue. And so... I just said to her one day, listen, I, there's definitely something going on. And she said, I agree with you. You know, you had this few years before you adopted. Now you've never stopped trying. We do need to kind of look into it. So they started doing some blood. They started with blood work and, um, for both of us and they found some issues with me. Um, they also found issues with David. And so then they start to treat those things, right? Yeah. Take these vitamins, do this supplement, you know, try this thing. Yep. All the stuff, you know, you feel like a science experiment. Yes. You do. You feel like a specimen. Uh, and um, so eventually she just said, look, I'm going to refer you to a good friend of mine who's a fertility specialist. And um, his wife actually worked in the office with her as a nurse. And um, and they were right next door. The fertility clinic yep. was right next door. So we went to them. And um, after all the blood work, you know, he came and sat down with us and he said, um, your best option is going to be IVF in vitro Mm -hmm. fertilization, which is where they take the eggs, they fertilize them in a Petri dish, essentially, and then they re, they transfer the embryos back into your uterus. Yeah. So a very extensive process, very expensive process. And so while you're encouraged on the one hand, on the other hand, you're just like, Lord, I'm still a teacher. David's still a pastor, you know, like this is not, we don't have a hundred thousand dollars laying around, you know? Yes. And so I just remember sobbing on the way home. Like I'm, I'm relieved that we have an answer. Right. I'm disappointed. Lord, couldn't you have made this easier? You know what I mean? Yeah. So again, we're like, okay, well it's time to sow a seed. So we start putting money aside and being intentional and, and, um, we gave a tithe of what we needed which was hard. Yeah. Just the tithe of it. Right. Right. (laughs) So it took a while. And, um, and so finally we came back to the doctor and we were like, okay, we're ready. We're ready to try this. So we start the process with a down payment and, um, you know, get things going thinking, okay, we'll, we'll figure this out somehow. We're just Mm going to take a step of faith. There are lots of ways out there that IVF can be financed many more opportunities now than there were then even. And so we start the process of in vitro. Some friends of ours had walked through it. And so lots of conversations with them. How does this look? What is this, you know, how do you do this? If you have 12 embryos, are you going to have 12 babies? I mean, there's a lot of questions you have to answer, just like with adoption. Am I going to love this child like my own? Am I, is he, what am I going to feel if he wants to meet his birth mother? Like you have to answer some really hard questions um, Mm -hmm. that maybe you didn't plan on answering. Right. But the Holy Spirit is right there with you through all of it. So asking the questions, really processing that in our own hearts before we move mm-hmm. forward. Um, and then when we had peace about it, we moved forward. We, we moved towards the peace. Yes. And um, it's kind of a way we've lived our lives. Wherever the peace is, that's the direction we're going. Yeah. And um, so we started that process. Um, man, it's super extensive. Like they really do kind of own you. I mean, it's like you come at this time, you take this shot at this time, we're going to check your blood at this time. Um, And so it's really miraculous when you realize just how intricately detailed 
this process is that we take for granted, right? Yes. And how beautiful it is that God has given wisdom to doctors to be able to figure it out, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then you wrestle that too. Some people have some really strong opinions about in vitro. Right, yeah. You know, that you're manipulating um, things and that that's God's job. Well, I believe God gave wisdom to the doctors. Yeah. And so um, we talked through that too with some counselors. Like how do we, Yeah. how do you weigh that up against your faith? Right. Um, so yeah, we are, felt... Are we overstepping or yeah. are we stepping out in faith. <laughs> Absolutely. And so in that process too, you know, you can pick the gender of the baby, you can pick eye color. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are real things and I'm sure now it's even more right, more so that way. Um genetic engineering, we did not feel comfortable with that. Yeah. We just said, "Lord, you know, we know you've created our bodies to do this." And so whatever happens naturally, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So we um, started that first cycle of IVF, and they retrieved, I think, maybe 14 eggs. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) And so um, the next process, obviously, is to um, introduce the sperm to fertilize them. Is this too scientific? Too too technical? That's great. Um, And so in that part, um, some of the eggs can um, sort of implode for lack of a better word. They just sort wow. of disintegrate. Yeah. Um, so we had a few that did that. Um, we had some that just did not, they arrested immediately. So at the end of it, we ended with um, 11. Okay. We had yeah. 11. So with 11, they incubate them for a few days and um, then they become, they move from an embryo to a blastocyst. So they're multiple cells. Yeah. So they're watching for the cells to increase. And they're giving us pictures of these microscopic. Wow. It's really fascinating. That's incredible. It really is um, along the way. And so they say to me, on day three, you're going to come back. We're going to do an embryo transfer. And based on my age, I was 34 at the time, I think. Um, you know, they're like, you're 34 in seven months. Like, they, it's very particular, you know. Wow. And I'm yeah. like, okay, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and they grade the embryos, like an A, B, C. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they determine how many they're going to transfer and what to what degree, you know, yeah. what grade this type of egg, this many based on your age. So for me, they said, you're going to come back on day three. We're going to transfer three embryos, three blastocysts. Wow. So I come back on the third day. Um, they give you a Valium just to sort of, you know, calm your nerves. The, um, the, when they remove the eggs, the egg retrieval, they actually put you to sleep. Okay. So coming out of that is, you know, a little bit painful. Yeah. Um, but you know, nothing, a little bit of Tylenol won't help. So you go home and then, you know, you wait a few days, you come back, you take that volume on your way to the doctor okay. so that you're not freaking out. Cause you're awake for the transfer. You actually wow. watch it on a little monitor. So we come back and they're going over, you know, the grade of the eggs. And I just remember like, almost slumped sideways at the table. Yeah. And David's there with me, obviously. Thank goodness. Right. Because I was not comprehending anything. I was like, you know, nodding and smiling, but I'm just like, I have no idea. A little fuzzy. Yeah. I know there are words coming out of your mouth. I don't know what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so at that point they determined, let's wait until day five. We want to give these embryos a better chance to develop a little bit more. Um, And so we go back home. I'm I'm taking my my Valium, so I just sleep it off, sleep it off. And we come back a couple days later, and at that point, they say, we're going to transfer. There are eight left that have not arrested. We're going to transfer free of, three of them. And um, that's the best chance you have to get pregnant. So at that point, it could be triplets. It could be twins. It could be nothing. Right. Um, and so they do the transfer. David's in the room with me for that. You actually see they, wow. like, put some color dye in, and you actually see the little embryos through the catheter on the monitor. It's fascinating. Wow. And you see them drop into your uterus. It's the most, I'm telling That's you, there's incredible. so much meticulous detail. Yes. So um, we go through that, we go home, and you have to wait two weeks. Hmm. Right. So the two weeks And is, you're supposed to function during those two weeks? You're supposed to function. You're, you know, obviously because I'm older, older, you know. Right. They don't want you doing anything strenuous. Um but I still went about our daily business, try not to dwell on it too much. They mm. encourage you not to do a pregnancy test um, because it could show pregnant, but it's not a viable pregnancy. So right. I get it. I get all that. So we did. I actually managed not to do a pregnancy test in that time. So when you go back, they do blood work. So we're pregnant. We get pregnant the first time. They're, you know, looking at everything. Everything looks great. Um, at that point, we went 
about 10 weeks with that pregnancy. And I woke up one morning, no, it was late at night. I woke up late at night and um, just heavy bleeding. Mm. And again, like your heart is just like, oh, this cannot be happening. Yeah. So at the time my parents lived next door and um, that's a story for another day. <laughs> my parents <laughs> lived next door and, and I remember David calling my mom. So she came over. It was, you know, it was very late at night. Mm. And, um, you know, she's with me and just saying, Cal just calm down, calm down. I was very sick. I had a lot, I had terrible morning sickness. Mm. And I just remember saying to her, this is my fault. Like I was complaining Aww. about the morning sickness. I right. shouldn't have complained about the morning sickness. All like that I should guilt. Have oh, yeah. absolutely. Guilt, shame, all of it. And I just remember her saying, that's not true. Mm -hmm. That's not the truth. Um, take some deep breaths, you know, let's go to bed. Yeah. We're going to go to the doctor first thing in the morning. So sure enough, my whole family, my dad, my mom, Al Alex, little Alex in the car seat, you know, yeah. um, David, we're all there writing. And, and I, it's so bad that I'm having to sit on a, like on a towel. It's wow. so bad. So we get there and the ultrasound tech is doing the ultrasound mm -hmm. and you just see it on her face, you know, mm -hmm. you just see it on her face and she starts to get upset and asked to be excused. Wow. I mean, that's how close you get in these fertility clinics, right? Yeah. These people are in the trenches with you. Right. And, um, I just remember when she left, David just grabbed me and mm -hmm. just began to pray. And the first thing he said was, God, we're so grateful for this life that you've given us. Wow. And then he just begins to speak peace over me. Yeah. And I can't tell you how, Again, I think those are the things that kept our marriage solid yes. is that we just dug deep into the faith that was our foundation from our parents, our heritage, and held on to each other mm -hmm. and the Lord. The Lord was in all of that. Yeah. So I remember, I have vivid memories of that day, just the whole, you know, my mom calling the rest of the family, David calling his family, and everybody was heartbroken. Yeah. You know, everybody was heartbroken. Um. We did have, after that first transfer, we had um, embryos. There were five left. Yeah. And our request was, we don't believe in discarding embryos. We, that's not okay with us. Right. Our, you know, our, our ethics, are, that's not okay. And so um, we agreed that they would not dispose of any embryos or blastocysts until they had fully arrested, mm -hmm. which means there's no growth. You're going to watch it for a few days extra just to ensure yes. um, before we discard those. So in that process, there was one embryo left and that embryo was frozen, right? You know, like yeah. on day seven or eight, I think they froze it. And um, so we have this miscarriage and um, man, we were just devastated. Like, I don't know if I want to do this again. Yeah. We only have one left. Like you're all these things. This is going to cost so much money. So with that particular miscarriage, it wasn't just about the baby. It was about this money Yes. of all things, right? Yeah. I'm like concerned about the money that right. we've lost. And then what if I have to face the same pain again? Yes. And absolutely paying money just to go through this yeah. suffering. Absolutely. And so we had, there were some friends of ours, their mom and dad really close to them. And um, so close that our, that Alex calls him Papa Doc. He's a surgeon yeah. and, um, and Mimi and, um, still to this day, they took us to lunch one Sunday and they said, look, we really want to, um, take care of this debt for you. We're just wow. going to pay it off. And when you're ready to try again, we're going to take care of it. Wow. I mean, that's a lot of money, Sarah. That's <laughs> a lot of money. Yes. And, um, I mean, of course we're just a puddle, just broken. Like, yeah. Lord, you are so faithful. Yeah. Every detail. So um, that next May, we decided to try again. We took a vacation with Alex, went to Disney World, you know, did all the fun things for his fourth birthday. Aww, and yes. um, and we, we were ready to try again. Well, there's a lot of risk. Now the embryo has to be thawed out, right? Yeah. They have to confirm that it's viable. And then you still are taking medications, you know, to prep your body like you're yeah. actually preparing for pregnancy. So more, more needles, more blood work, yes. all the things. 
But in between that, that miscarriage and our next try, the doctors ran some tests and discovered I have a blood clotting disorder. And so mm. what was happening is my body was, the blood was clotting the source of blood that was getting to the uterus. I had this clotting issue. Oh, wow. So it's cutting off the blood supply. Yes. So then we're like, well, that's great. I mean, what now? Yeah. I mean, we're thinking about surrogacy. We're thinking of all the things. And so um, the doctor came in and sat with us and said, well, here's this plan we have. There's a drug that we can use. It's called Lovinox. It's a blood thinner. There's shots in the stomach. And there's a 95% chance that you'll carry this baby full term. Wow. If you use this medication. Yeah. So, of course, we're like, well, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So we go home and start. That's another needle. Right. Exactly. At this point, there had been like, you know, 200. I hated needles. So we get to that point and we go home and we start researching. Well, these these shots at the time, okay, this was in 2010, were $90 each. And I'd have one every day for 10 months. Oh, my goodness. That's $27,000. Wow. So I, um, we just start talking to people and the Lord just starts bringing people into our path. And um, one of our friends said, you need to write the pharmaceutical company. Write him a letter. So we did. We wrote a letter and we said, hey, we have this embryo. We've had trouble maintaining a pregnancy. I need this medication and I can't afford it. I'm a teacher. My husband's a pastor. Like, please help. (laughs) Facts. We literally faxed it to them. And so um, we get this response back. We're going to give you... Uh, 90 days of shots. We're going to ship them to your doctor. And at the end of that 90 days, you're going to send us a reminder and we're going to send another 90 days. Wow. And at the end of that, you're going to send us a reminder. We're going to send you another 90 days. That's incredible. We paid nothing for that $27,000 worth of medication. Wow. And there was enough at the end that we were able to leave it with the doctor so that whoever came behind us and needed it had all these shots. Well, now there's a generic for it. Of course. They're still like $15 a shot, but you know what I mean? Yes. That's still thousands of dollars over a pregnancy, but the Lord provided. And so, um, so with my second IVF um, experience, we transferred the one frozen embryo. It worked. Mm-hmm. We started the Lovinox, and I carried her full term, literally to the day. And, um, and she just turned 12 in February. So awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, when we shared... We waited until she was a little older to explain to her how she came yes. into our family. Um, we've been very honest with Alex, too. You know, we've just talked through that. We want to be the ones to define yes. adoption. We want to be the ones to define IVF mm-hmm. um, for Anna. And so um, the first conversation we had with her, she actually had just turned 12. And um, we're explaining it to her. And, and her response was, so you're saying, really, I'm 13. Uh (laughs) and so I was like if that's your takeaway well (laughs) but the whole point Anna is that God provided (laughs) that you're a miracle that both of our kids are miracle babies and the way that God chose to build our family was not the way we planned Mm -mm. but man it's a beautiful story and there's so many things along the way I remember in the middle of it the that God gave me this verse um it's marked in this Bible actually from those Mm -hmm. days in it's Psalm 16, 5 through 8, it says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The mm-hmm. land you've given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Wow. And I'm going to tell you, Sarah, God, I mean, he's proved this over and over these words have come to me over and over again. Um, I, you know, these are words that I speak over my children. Yes. Um, it's what it is. It is our inheritance. God's mm-hmm. goodness and faithfulness and kindness. It is our inheritance. And what more do we need? Yes. What more do we need? Sometimes we get wrapped up in all the other things. Right. That would really make life comfortable or would really mm-hmm. make this plan of mine look great. Yeah. Um, but God is about the inheritance. Mm-hmm. that he promises. And so um, I can tell you with 100% confidence that he is faithful, he is kind, he is good, and we can trust that what he says is true. Yeah. And um, so I just think anybody that comes along, you know, that crosses our path, and there have been a lot over the years mm-hmm. struggling with the same thing, 
yeah. you know, well, all my friends are having babies and you get that gut wrenching yeah. heartbreak over and over again. God is right beside you. God's right beside you through all of it. And yeah. he's trying to do a work in us if we'll just let him. Yeah. Right. Just open your heart and let him fill all of those alley spots. Yes, absolutely. And he, and you'll hear his voice through other people, through other people's mm-hmm. stories, um, through his word. Um, God's trying to speak to us all the time. Yeah. We just, sometimes we're moving too fast to get it or we're so caught up in, no God, but I want this. It's like right. a toddler yes. having a tantrum on the floor, right? Yes. And we think that the answer is this. Yeah. You know, like fill in the blank with what you're really Absolutely. Like. Sometimes we get so um, fixated on a yes, certain that thing. that is a good word. That and, is a good word. Um, he just wants us to fixate on him. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I know, you know, we've taken a lot of time, um, but I don't want anybody listening to think that there weren't those moments where I was like yes. mad. I was just mad. You know, yeah. and I, I'm screaming in the car. I'm crying my eyes out. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you those moments never lingered long. Right. Because we had such, our parents were so intentional when they raised us as children mm-hmm. and young adults and even into adulthood of reminding us of our faith. Yeah. Reminding us of who God is. And the best way we can do that is to model it for our children. Mm-hmm. And our parents did a fantastic job of that. They weren't perfect parents by any stretch. I'm not a perfect parent, but I hope, right? My hope is that I'm modeling that for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, every day we pray with them on the way to school. You know, that's a thing that we do. And every prayer starts with, Lord, thank you for the gift that Anna is to our lives. Yeah. Lord, thank you for the gift that Alex is to our lives. I don't ever want to forget that they are a gift. Yes. And there are some days, you know, you've heard me. <laughs> there are some days, middle school girl drama. Right? There are some days that I forget it's a yes. gift. You are She's a, a gift. gift. You, you are, are a gift. You are a gift. <laughs> I did pray for you. I did pray for you. Um, yeah. And so I think it would be easy to lose sight of that mm-hmm. because of life. You know, my right. pregnancy was awful, Sarah. I was sick every day. And there were days I was like, Lord, you didn't tell me about this part. Right. Yes. But I just right. remember, you know, I remember the Holy Spirit in this gentle way, just saying, this is what you've prayed for. Mm-hmm. This is what you've prayed for. Embrace it. Yeah. And there's lessons in all of the ups and downs. Absolutely. In all of it. In every bit of it. And so I wouldn't trade any of it. Yeah. You know, loss and heartbreak is never easy, but I wouldn't trade a day of it Mm -hmm. for all that God's done, you know, to stretch my faith so that I can then encourage other people. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. My life verse is um, Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship Amen. of his suffering. Yes. And sometimes I wonder, why did I pick that verse? <laughs> right. That whole suffering part. Yes. Yeah. That no, suffering absolutely. part. And yeah, I, um, I've actually spent one whole podcast near the beginning talking about suffering mm-hmm. and, um, just because I feel like that is the key to absolutely. knowing the power. Absolutely. That we have through him is by being acquainted with his suffering. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. You cannot see. Yeah. You can't experience resurrection without the suffering. Yeah. And so that's a hard pill to swallow, right? Mm -hmm. In our American westernized mentality, we think, no, everything should be comfortable and good. Mm -hmm. And when life doesn't look the way we thought it should, you know, it would be easy to give up and walk away and say, okay, well, right. This isn't what I signed up for. Exactly. Yeah. But the part that's comforting is God is right beside us. Yes. He is. He's in it all. Yeah. He's in it all. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much yes. for sharing. And I just know that that's going to encourage um, so many women that listen. I hope so. And yeah. um, a lot of people face miscarriage mm. and face loss and they don't want to talk about it. Right. Um, it is something that for a long time, I think it's better now. Yeah. People are being more open about when they miscarry mm-hmm. miscarry a child, but mm-hmm. for a long time it was something that you just kind of kept to yourself and Absolutely. walked through by yourself. Yes, and I don't want my friends to walk through that by themselves. No, and let me say, I think the Lord um, means for this to be said. The enemy would love for you to be in isolation, mm-hmm. and when we do that, when we don't speak, when we don't tell our story, the enemy uses that. To isolate you from the people of God, from the people that would encourage you, 
you know, a lot of people wait until after the first trimester to share that they're pregnant, right. which is fine if that's your decision. We never felt like that was the right decision for us because we knew that if we didn't celebrate together, we would suffer alone. Yes. If yes. we didn't celebrate together, we would suffer alone. Yeah. And God doesn't intend that for any of us. And so I think don't live in isolation. Tell your story. Yeah. There are so many people that have experienced it and, um, and have the same experience. Yes. It's unique to you, but it's the same experience. Right. And so I think God intends to use that to draw the body of Christ closer. Yeah. To draw you people into community. Gain strength from each oh, other. Absolutely. As you share. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. Well, would you pray for the yes. sisters who are listening on the other side of the microphone and um, just especially for those who might be um, recently suffering a miscarriage yes. or have multiple ones yeah. in their story? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to. Father, we're grateful to you today for the opportunity to share. Lord, I'm just thankful that you've allowed me a space to share my story. And I pray, God, that it would be an encouragement, that it would be hope, that it would bring light, that it would bring peace and strength to those that are listening, God, that have experienced it, or maybe they're in fear of experiencing it, God. I just um, hope that today everybody walks away knowing, Lord, that you are faithful and you are kind Mm -hmm. and you are good. God, you intend to use every broken place of our lives, every part of suffering, God. You intend to use it to build us as your people, God, to build our faith and our hope and our courage, God. And so today I just speak that over everybody listening, Lord, that you would bring hope and strength today, God. I know that your word says you are close to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, I just um, trust that that is true today, God, that in your word they would find strength and hope today. Mm -hmm. We just ask you, come Holy Spirit, be with us in the suffering be with us in the unknown and in the processing. Yes. God, I just believe, Lord, that you're doing a work in the earth today, and I'm grateful yeah. to be a part of it, Lord. Bless Sarah, Thank God, you. as she continues to encourage women. Mm-hmm. I pray, Lord, that it would be blessed and that she would be highly favored, God. Mm-hmm. We love you today, and we give you all the honor Thank and all the glory you, in Jesus' yes. name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. Wow, what a powerful story. I'm so thankful for Jen being willing to share that, um, all of it with us. And I hope it really blessed and ministered to your heart. Um, I would love to know your story. I would love to know about the baby or babies that you've lost. Um, I have three siblings that my mom miscarried that, um, I look forward to meeting in heaven. Um, she named each baby that she lost. And so we still talk about Valentine and Rosie and Angel, um, as a family and, um, remember them, especially on their due dates and things. Um, So I would love if you have names for your babies um, or just want to talk about them. Um, So the way you could do that is either private messaging me. Um, You can send me a DM on Instagram. You can find me at raising underscore rubies times six and, uh, request to follow and I'll definitely follow and follow back and um we can have a little uh chat over there um you could also join the sisters in the spirit private facebook group where um I will be starting a conversation about miscarriage and just asking um those of you who are are part of that group to share And um, for those who are walking the road of infertility and um, praying for that baby to come, we would also love to join in praying with you um, and believing with you for that baby. So hop on over and uh, join the discussion on the Sisters in the Spirit Facebook group. Uh, So I just... Hope that each one of you has a good week, that you um, 
take time to just be quiet and still in God's presence to invite him and the power of the Holy Spirit into all aspects of your life. Um, Don't try to live this week on your own energy um, or in your own strength. Um, But remember that uh, Jesus displays his strength most um, powerfully through our weakness. So if you're feeling very weak and running on empty, um, just go to him and let him know about it. He wants to hear um, and just tell him that you can't do it on your own. And he tells us that his grace is sufficient and always available. So I will be praying for each of you this week. If this podcast is a blessing to you, be sure to click on the five-star rating. And if you have a couple minutes, leave a review. It would um, just be such a blessing and encouragement to me uh, to know that people are listening and that it is uh, touching your life. So if you can take a minute and share that, we'd love to to read that and um, know how it's impacting your life. So I love you all and um, I hope you have a blessed week. So remember, you are dearly loved. You are not alone and the Heavenly Father delights in you. Bye for now.